up that diesel. Um, 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 let's go diesel. Um. David Montgomery healthy after they just told us last week this nigga's out two to four weeks. See? Oh, Rieger blew me. I was hoping he wouldn't be around, but. I thought about drafting that nigga in my draft last night, but I was like, you know, let me just stay away. They, they had just said he's out two to four weeks. Now he practicing in full and shit. Like, come on, man. All right. Uh, do you want to just run through, like, like some uh, quick hits on the on the roster? Or, like, like uh, people that got cut, people that didn't get cut, yada, yada, yada? Yeah. yeah we, we can do that. All right, we can start through that, and then we can, uh, we can start with that, then break up player. Um, and I guess we could really talk a little bit about Rivera, or, or do you think we've we've talked enough about Rivera? Kind of. I think we talk, I think we should just let's let's stick to stick okay. to sports. No, stick to sports. Yeah. Okay, on on, on MAGA shit. Okay, got you. Get back in game mode. We ain't got to talk about MAGA Jack. No, I'm saying MAGA, like, stick to sports. <laughs> Laura Ingram would tell us, just shut up and talk. Just sh- shut up and dribble, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we can just go ahead and get started and retar- start talking about some of the surprise cuts and uh, not cuts from this past weekend. I guess it starts Adrian Peterson, right? That's got mm-hmm. yeah. to be the biggest... Surprise. I mean, I think that we even said on a podcast not too long ago, we hope Peterson's around for as long as possible to be a mentor to the young backs and to be a consistent presence in the running back group. And he's out, which is not um, – I'm not saying I disagree with the move because I think that looking at what they want to do with the running backs moving forward, they want a specific type of back, somebody that's good in space, somebody that can catch the ball, somebody who can make a guy miss, uh, somebody who is very versatile in what he can do. And for the good things that Adrian Peterson is, right now in his career, he's not that. Like you said, we had anticipated Peterson being here, one, because he was the vet. He's basically been the best player on offense in the last two years, which nobody anticipated. Um, but I think this kind of speaks to the talent that's on the roster at the position. Um, obviously, we haven't seen Gibson, McKissick, or Bryce Love play yet due to no preseason games. But I think this just shows that Scott Turner and Rivera and the team is comfortable with the young talent that's on the team and obviously not having an offense that's going to be grounded pound. Like there's going to be a lot of motion, a lot of movements, a lot of two back sets, a lot of shotgun. So with the talent that's still on the roster now, it kind of better fits scheme wise what we have compared to when you put Peterson on the field, teams are kind of anticipating what you're doing. Chances are you probably run right at them compared to, you know, the read option and all that extra stuff that we can do with a bunch of these other backs. So, I mean, it was a surprise and, Obviously, we wish Peterson well in Detroit, but I think this just speaks more to the talent that we have on the roster at that position. Uh, I would say Jay Gruden probably would have wanted to cut him, cut him as well. So, like, this coach was able to cut him because he wanted to cut him. Because I don't really think he fit the last team. Like, I'm not really so sure he was optimal for Jay last year. So, I mean, I get it. They, they clearly have a game plan in terms of how they want to use their backs, and he doesn't really fit that. You know, it's a shame not having him here because you're heading into the season with uh, a third-round rookie, uh, his backup, the third-down back. I think we're all really excited about Jay McKissick, um, but he is a undrafted guy who hasn't really played a ton in his uh, previous two stops. 
and Bryce Love and Peyton Barber. Honestly, it was great having him here for two years. Like he's one of mm-hmm. like my my favorite Redskins. It's it's silly to say over the past couple of years because he's I don't think anybody's gonna remember him for being a Redskin, but he's been one of my favorite players here to have over the past couple of years. Like and it's it's been tough. It's been a tough go, but he's been a great presence. But like he's always professional, working hard, setting a good example for the young players, even when everything around them was burning down. So shout out to him. Good luck in Detroit. Uh let's move on to Alex Smith. Uh I think it was a surprise to everybody who'd asked anybody maybe nine months ago, five months ago, three months ago, do you think Alex Smith is going to be on the 2020 Washington football team roster? And I think nine out of 10 people would have said, hell not. I think it would be a miracle uh, if you were ever actually on an active game day roster, you know, saying something happening to Haskins or Allen. But what do you guys think about Alex Smith uh, 18 months after a brutal leg injury actually making a NFL roster Hey, man, I think we talked about this before in this pod. You all, you all sort of like he shouldn't play. Why is he playing? I'm not surprised because these people are incredibly determined, man. Like professional athletes are determined as people. People need to respect how hard these people work. If people thought this guy was going to let his career end that way, nah. People like you're not going out like that unless they literally tell you you can't. Once the doctors tell him, hey, your career isn't over, then the guy is going to try to come back. So I'm honestly, I'm more surprised that he is back this soon. Not that he's back. I thought Uh he would be available to play by midseason. But I expected him to suit up um, this year. Like once I saw the documentary, I honestly started thinking, well, this person, he's going to be back with us. I got to be honest, I didn't anticipate him being ready this year. I mean, like we discussed it, like Alex Smith is one of the most determined people I've ever seen. And kind of like once the doctors alerted him, like, yeah, you could potentially go back and play the game that you love. I like, he just clearly, he just locked in and took his rehab to another level. Like, I mean, big shout out to Alex Smith. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's just, <laughs> I mean, you guys saw the documentary. Like, that's incredible, bro. Like, <laughs> His leg was shredded. Like, we saw bone. Like, he had 17 surgeries, his infection. Like, he could have lost his life. And here we are three days three days out from opening day, and this dude is on the active 53-man roster. One of the reporters asked him, they were like, Rivera, if there's a situation came to you where you had to put him in, would you feel confident in doing it? He's like, yeah. And I, I just did not anticipate that being the case for Alex this year. Um, but I'm happy for him, man, because, I mean, for the short period that he was our starting quarterback, he did have us trending up i felt like i mean he wasn't putting up stellar numbers but alex smith brought some respectability and some stability to the position until he got injured so i mean big ups to him man if he happens to get on the field god forbid something happened to haskins but hey big ups alex smith uh i mean that is really nice what rivera said about him i I do think that's cap I mean, if I'm just keeping it a, a brick. I nah, think that's no, Cap. that's no, not. because what, you, the, you, for what though? <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason for them to cap about this Paul, because Paul, he doesn't have this, to play. Think about this. Rivera said over the last two weeks, they put him in that 11 on 11, full speed, no full contact, and he held his own. The only reason why I said that is because of this. You may have all the confidence in the world in Alex Smith's ability. You may have all the confidence in the world in the medical team that has guided him back from where he was to where he is now. He may have even looked great in 11-on-11s in practice. 
But what Rivera said is that he has all the confidence in the world to put him in a game. If he had to put him in on Sunday versus Fletcher Cox in them, he would be sweating his ass off. And you know that. No, no. See, you know what's been weird? You know what's been weird about this whole Smith thing? Well, the fans seem to be acting as if they are more concerned for his well-being than the franchise and Alex Smith. Like, this whole thing right here, people say, like, well, oh, I don't want to see him get hit. It's like, what are you talking about? Because like, I think that's more fair. I mean, you, that, that's just no, like, I know. I'm saying, fans, like, if you know the guy is clear to play, regardless of how gruesome his injury was when we saw it, and that maybe the guy's clear to play, man. So I don't, I, I don't think these coaches would be out here saying they put somebody out there to play who couldn't go play. I don't when else with do we that. see? And I don't, I don't think the doctors would allow him in this situation either if they felt that way. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I just think from the fans' perspective, we're not, and not just saying us three, but like fans aren't in there for the everyday rehab, seeing this dude put in the work, seeing him in the practices, avoiding contact, running around, scrambling, making these throws again, like. After you watch that documentary, documentary, you're probably like, Alex, you need to go home and be with your family. But, I mean, he's worked his ass off to get to this point. So, I mean, I understand the fans' overreaction saying we don't want to see him get hit and stuff. But it's like, like you said, I don't think the coaches or the training staff would put him in a situation if they felt like he could, you know, do some true damage to his leg again. So, so. Yeah, no, absolutely, Corey. I agree with you on that. And I agree with your point too, Cliff. I think part of it might be, you know, it's, it's hard to sit down – and even in your wildest imaginations, picturing your favorite player go through something like that. You know, I couldn't imagine, and I'm going to knock on all the wood right now, somebody who's on the team having a terrible leg injury on Sunday. It's hard to visualize that. But once you do, you don't want to see that person get hit ever again because you know that mm-hmm. it's possible. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to play Dr. Phil here or, or some psychologist, but, like, just I think that's kind of part of it, at least for me. Like, but I'm just saying, I'm not going to act like I care more about Alex's well-being than he does. If no doubt. he Facts. feels like he is ready to come back and play, and he worked his ass off in order to get himself in this position, and the doctors clear him, then I don't see what there is to worry about. I don't see how this is any – the only thing that's different is somehow people seem to – like, this one seems to have hit home, right? But – would you, were you were you ever like oh well Griffin shouldn't play he tore his ACL. You, you see what I'm saying like the injury itself that's like us deciding that this injury is somehow because of how bad it was we are going to be squirmish about him playing but why would we be squirmish about him playing when he's not squirmish about him playing? I'm just I'm just glad he made it back man that, like to see him out there running around like that there's no way you could have told me that would happen. Right, that's happen. great. Like, that's this is a beautiful story. Right. I don't see any reason to be. What's there? Like, I have no level of, um, of like angst about it. I think the idea that he would be going on the field that is incredible. Not something that's that's something that makes me worried. Let's move on to Ruben Foster real quick. Uh, we can just touch on this one because honestly, there hasn't really much to talk about with him. Uh, I think we all had this perfect, uh, moment in our head where Ruben Foster would be cleared and he would maybe not be a hundred percent of what he was, but he would be still defensive force. But, you know, they talked about this most of the past few weeks um, that he didn't look like he was explosive, that he was ready to play. And he never turned that corner. I mean, I think it's unrealistic to think that he might, you know, it was a major knee injury. Like the reports 10 months ago, nine months ago, he couldn't even feel his feet. He couldn't feel his toes. You know what I'm saying? And nerve damage, not many players make it back from that. So 
it comes to be that he is going to spend the year on the IR. It's the last year of his contract. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. So his time with this team uh, may be over before he even started. Uh, I don't know if they'll bring him back next year. I think that the fact that they didn't cut him or waive him, I should say, the fact that they put him on IR means that they might be thinking about giving him a chance next season. But, I, I, you know, I'm being ahead of myself. Who knows? But uh, what do you think that means for the 2020 team? Well, it can't mean much because we never even got a chance to see him on the field. You know what I mean? I, I don't even think the coaches were a game plan thinking Ruben was going to be on the field this year. But I do think they're trying – I'm not saying they're holding out hope, but for them to put him on IRR, IR to allow him to continue to rehab, be in the facility – work with the trainers, work with the medical staff to see if he can get it back. Because Rivera did mention at one point when he was practicing, they, like, they saw the explosive. They, they saw him, you know, flying around. But obviously he couldn't keep up at that pace because, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's trying to recover from a nerve injury, which it was funny that Rivera actually mentioned um, the scenario with Jalen Smith in Dallas, like how that was a two-year injury. Did it take yeah, him two years to get back? Was. Or was it full? Because okay. you're not – he, he sat out a year, right? Yeah, because he, but he got, he got injured in the bowl game. That's right, the ball game. So that basically, was, it was almost two years. Yeah, it was almost two years by the time he and, – and his first year back, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, definitely not. So then it was the second year, which is about – that's probably like 30 months by that point. So, I mean, we'll see how he works out with the medical staff and the rehab team. I mean, I don't think they're counting on it, but, I mean, the dude was a first-round pick. He was a talent. It's not hurting the cap. It's not hurting to keep him around. So, I mean, I guess we'll readdress the situation next offseason. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what kind of money he's making this year. I, I, I don't have the figure in front of me. It can't be much. I mean, he was a 32nd overall pick in the draft, I think maybe a few million dollars. So it's not really much of an investment to keep him around for a year and see if mm-hmm. another year on, on the shelf could perhaps, you know, help him get back to at least a little bit more explosive of a player. I mean, I don't have a problem with his instincts. He's also the instinctual player. You know, I think just the physical has to match that. I also think we're talking this year this wasn't a year ago right like right. this is only it hasn't been that long yeah so and especially given the off season the structure mm-hmm. of this off season it we shouldn't be that surprised right we really shouldn't and i don't think the coaching staff was surprised yeah. To be honest. yeah so he's still not gonna look the way he's supposed to look it hasn't been long enough he needs more time uh you know i'm just i hope that they give him the time to actually make up that difference in, in his ability and, and get back to work. So, you know, he's healthy now for the most part. Like, he's his knee is intact, you know. Now it's time to get to work and maybe do some some specialty rehabilitation for explosion, getting explosion back mm-hmm. that, instead of just keeping the knee intact and stability and stuff like that. Yep. Um, let's talk about real quick through some of these surprise keeps. Isaiah Wright, wide receiver. Cam Curl edging out uh, Sean Davis at free safety. Danny Johnson making the team for the third year in a row at cornerback. Which surprise keep or surprise cut, we can add that in, was the most surprising to you guys? Um, I'm going to start by saying Cameron Curl. Um, and I'll only say that because, look, they did give some money, $2 million, a modest investment, but an investment nonetheless to Sean Davis uh, coming back home to Maryland. Y'all boy. Y'all boy, Sean Davis. Nah, don't put Sean Davis on me, bro. Nah, I'm proud of both of y'all. <laughs> All I said about Sean Davis was plenty. I said that he could be not that bad. I, I, that's not much. He of an could be not that. I was bad. like maybe. I was like maybe a change of scenery will help this guy, but he's been known to get to be burnt chicken 
in Pittsburgh secondary. Oh, uh, yeah, that's revisionist history. I'm going to need the listeners to, to go ahead and, and, and pull up what y'all said about Sean Davis. All I said was, there's no reason to like Sean Davis or Troy Apke. They're here the hell we are. And where's Sean Davis at? We're going to get this all year, Paul, with Cliff, Cliff poking his chest out about You better Apke. hope that guy's not good. <laughs> But you can't you can't say we, we, we root for Appy. I'm I'm a fan of Appy. I just felt like when we when we first picked him up, I knew he was gonna be a special teams ace. He's fast as shit and he gets down that field quicker than anyone. So I knew when he first came in, he would automatically stand out on special teams. Now I just wasn't ready to put him out there at free safety because nobody was putting we, we, him out there free safety though. Hey, we have a history of putting free safeties in bad situations that aren't the guy did not play his rookie year. Sean Davis, local, he's a, he went to Maryland. That's why the fans were out here when boosted, because he went to Maryland. None of us went to Maryland, though. So no, I'm talking about the fan base in general. Oh, yeah. Fan, which I knew his name because he went to Maryland, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a, way, in, a way, in a way that you did not know Troy Apke's name. That's all I'm saying. We, Next time I hear Troy Apke's name, I just think of Dion at the Combine. When he finished, Dion was like, oh, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he, I think he even asked him his name. He was like, what's your name? I asked him, Apke. <laughs> Y'all, Mayock was like, what you, what you, Mayock was like, what you making those noises for? Dion, what's going on? You don't think he can run? He's like, he can run, run. <laughs> he can run, run. He can run, run. And then, <laughs> Dion Jeremiah was like, what'd you say, Dion? <laughs> Listen, man. Sean Davis didn't work out. We knew it didn't work because we didn't hear a nail out. We didn't hear a peep hear about one Sean peep. Davis. Nope, okay. not one peep. A peep. Cam, Cam Kirk coming out of that SEC, man, he, he could be. I'm not saying he's going to be something crazy, but he he might have a little impact, more impact hey, Mike, than most people think. Good luck to Cameron Curl. I suspect that this says more about Sean Davis than anything else. Oh, yeah. I think Cameron Curl's going to be going special teams, though. Yeah. No, no. Definitely, he could do that. Super athletic. Mm -hmm. You know, he moved from safety to cornerback his last year in college, and that's, mm -hmm. I think, why he fell in the draft uh, the way he did. Um, he was a pretty damn good safety there down there at uh, Arkansas. So, we'll see. It could mean more about Sean Davis. I think that's actually likely because Sean Davis literally did nothing from the time he got here to the time that he left. Um, but, you know, you did hear – Rivera say in that one meeting a few weeks back that he wants people to step up and claim jobs. And that's what we did. I mean, I can't knock him. You claimed the job. You had a chance to beat out a four-year vet, and you did. So congratulations. Hey, turn up, Aki. I'm rooting for you, cuz. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, for me, I was, even though I was hoping the team would keep him, um, I'm still, still surprised, but Isaiah Wright, just for the simple fact that I mean, that kid got some talent, man. I mean, he went to Temple. It's not – they obviously, they're not known for the football program, but special teams coach Nate Katsour was talking about him in the offseason. That was, like, the first name he mentioned in his first um, – when we went into COVID status and they started having all those Zoom press conferences. First name he kept bringing up was Isaiah Wright. Isaiah Wright, like, Duke returned punts, he returned kicks, and apparently he stood out at wide receiver when they put him in in the practices. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they kept him because he has talent, man. Um, I'm not – saying he's going to come out here and look like Terry McLaurin, but we got a young receiving core, so maybe at some point he could get some playing time. So, for me, I would definitely say Isaiah Wright. When we picked him up as an undrafted free agent, I was like, whoa, it's going to be so cool when you see this team full of positionless football players out there doing a bunch of different funky things, things that we're not used to seeing, because now you have McKissick. 
I thought that you would have something from Bryce Lovin. You might still get something from him. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to have uh, Antonio Gibson, Isaiah Wright. Like, these guys are out there just doing all types of wild shit, like jet sweeps, jet motion, this and that would be the running back. I thought that Isaiah Wright would join him at running back and that Gibson would be a wide receiver. So it's kind of interesting seeing them switch it up and let Gibson be the running back. I mean, he's built like a running back. But, Definitely. you know, I think Isaiah Wright was honestly probably a better RB at Temple than he was a wide receiver. And he's not as explosive, so you're not really depending on his speed as much at that position. So it was funny to see. What is it, like 6'2", 220 or something like They're that? They're right? both 6'2", 220, but Gibson is way more explosive than him. I think yeah. that Wright is – he has some long speed. I think that he actually ran into four fives um, at his pro day or combine or whatever it was, but he's more, like, slippery than anything else. We look at Antonio Gibson, he just like floats. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. kind of has like the Arian Foster float when he's running the ball. But um, I, I, I like Isaiah Rice's talent, man. I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't realize he – I forgot he played running back at Temple too. He's got some talent. Um, for me, it's uh, James Smith-Williams, who clearly stood out of camp. Um, Brailford also stood out of camp with a potential major team. Obviously, Smith-Williams is helped by the fact that Caleb Brantley opted out. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like he proved himself in camp, both as a defensive lineman and a potential special teams um, addition. Uh, and I think the standout among that defensive line group as a seventh-round pick says a whole lot. So that would be uh, my my guy from the surprise. Got to make it um, with with frankly Danny Johnson coming in a close second. Yeah. It's, funny you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned Smith Williams because. Um, to keep going back to Rivera, he mentioned, like, God forbid, if somebody, one of the D tackles gets injured, he felt comfortable moving Smith Williams inside to play that tackle position. So clearly, he's a little, he's going to be his versatile player along the defensive line. So, yeah, yeah. He, he had to step up in camp. Hey, how about seven draft picks making the final roster? Yeah, man. Every yep. single one. One. I think it says more about your roster, though. I how mean, many holes the field? I, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Um, maybe it's Rivera wanting his guys. Because, for example, Smith Williams. We also heard that Brailford was looking really good. Obviously, Smith-Williams got the nod, and Brailford ends up on the practice squad. That might be, you know, just a factor that Rivera wants his guys here. Uh, Keith Ishmael beat out Pierce Baker. It could be the roster. It could be Rivera just wanting to implement, you know, a little bit of his draft picks and his guys and sweeping out the old regime's guys out of here. But who knows? Like, I guess we'll see how that works out. My breakout player for this coming season, and I really hope that I'm right about this. Corey can, can attest to me saying – two years ago, how big a fan I was of this guy and how we need a chance to play more. That's Sean Dion Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so funny. I was listening to J.P. Finley today, and I've kind of always thought this about Dion Hamilton is that he's not going to really wow you until he puts the pads on. Because he kind of was like an afterthought in training camp until they were able to hit, and then he was all over the place. Like, and he's a little bit undersized. I think he's, he might be like 5'11", like 220. He's small for, for a backer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but he has hella speed, hella instincts. And he not only is he really good in coverage, but he actually, he's a very, very good tackler. Like, I don't really see him ever really just whiff on somebody in the open field. Like, he's a guy who can move in space. And when you think about the linebackers we've had here over the <laughs> past 5, 10, 15 years, when's the last time we had a really crazy athletic linebacker who could do those things? I'll wait. It's interesting you say that because there's another linebacker who's, who is new to this team who's probably more athletic than him. Who's that? KPL? KPL. That's right. 
KPL is more like the obvious type of athletic, just like how Cole Holcomb, who, by the way, got beat out by Deion Hamilton, is more obviously athletic. I think that his athleticism shows up, but the knock on, on uh, Deion Hamilton has always just been his size and the physicality. But it, it's weird because he's hella physical. I don't know why they would that would be a knock on him. He's been physical nah, every single stop he's physical. had. I think I thought durability was a knock on him. Oh, he, yeah. he would come into uh, – he was injured at the end of his Bama career. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, Sean right. Dion, definitely. Because he, 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 he had a surgery or something at yeah, Bama, right? Yeah, knee injury. Yeah, knee injury. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I remember even going into last year, he was kind of – he was basically saying he wasn't 100% going into mm-hmm. last year. Like, when, yep. during, during camp last year, he yeah. said that his knee sort of felt like 80 90%. So he always stood out last year. He always stood out when he played last year. Can I share that little anecdote that I, that I told you all in the chat last night? I was going through KP, uh, not KPL, sorry, uh, Deion Hamilton's snap counts for last year. Only once <laughs> did he play more than 50% of the snaps. I think that he played 347 snaps last year on defense. For reference, I think Bostic played like nearly 1,100, and that was a like 91%. And I was like, how could a guy who flashes the way he does only play 347 snaps? Like, that is coaching malpractice. But <laughs> I, I guess that's why Minuski ain't here no more, and, and we moved on up. So we'll see. Minuski going Minuski. <laughs> I'm going back and forth with mine, man. This is uh, – I got two of mine, but I'm going to just go ahead and pick one. Um, I'm going to go with Jimmy Moreland. I think Jimmy's finally got a year – he's got a year – under his belt. We already knew he has the swag to play the position. You got to have a certain type of confidence to be a cornerback professionally, let alone at any level. Um, and Jimmy showed signs last year. Obviously, I mean, he did have a couple plays where he got beat. Um, looked like he wasn't comfortable a couple times, but I feel like coming from that small school of James Madison, um, he got his feet wet. I just feel like hearing the quotes from Landon Collins speaking about who he thinks may potentially break out in the secondary and he kept bringing up Jimmy kept bringing up Jimmy, like, kept saying Jimmy's making plays, doing this, doing that. Like, I really think Jimmy's going to be the one that surprises at this position and step up and be somebody that can be on the field with Fuller. And obviously right now they're, the plan is for Darby and Fuller to be the two corners outside. But I don't know if Jimmy's going to command that slot position or will they move him outside. But I just feel like this might be the time where we see Jimmy Moreland become that breakout player in the secondary. So uh, do I want to make it three defensive players? I kind of don't want to. <laughs> we I have no defensive guys. <laughs> um, so uh, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say Montez Sweat. That's my <laughs> another guy from the D line who's sort of gone under the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, rookie year started slow, played well as the season went on. Y'all know I've compared that man to Daniel Hunter. I think he has a breakout year this year. We could put. Let's just go ahead and put like. Let's put about twelve sacks to his name for twenty for the twenty twenty season for Montez Sweat. Cliff, I'm willing to one up you. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks. That's where I'm at with it. Because I was I was contemplating saying Montez Sweat. I really think Sweat is going to lead this team in sacks. And with the addition of Chase, just the way that these old lines are going to have to slide protection. Period. They're the the league's already on notice as far as Chase Young. It's like Sweat is being overlooked and. With the pressure that you already get inside from 98, 93, 94, 97, like, Sweat's going to be getting that one-on-one. So, I, I, I don't disagree with that, Cliff. I can see Sweat getting 12 sacks. That's, yeah. 
very reachable. Is that your hot take? I, I think hot takes for the season are in line. Or, or is that a hot take? That's not much of a hot take. Is it a hot take, though? Or is no. everybody going – everybody thinks Chase is going to lead the team in sacks? I got I a mean, hot take it, for you. Logan Thomas, 700 yards receiving. That is scorching, my nigga. What? Take it to the bank. Like Swiss Beat says, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> take it to the bank. Oh, hey. Okay, I was Cliff. No, I was thinking about it. He's going to catch a lot of passes, but 700. Hey. That's a season, so, bro. There's no one to throw to. <laughs> Look, they can come out here and talk about throwing the ball to the backs. We're only going to do that, but for so long. Right? right. Like, the Teams season will adjust. start. Teams are going to make adjustments. This will open up the middle of the field for the tight end. Logan and they Thomas. said he's already got great. He's got a great connection with Haskins and Camp. So. Also, I, I know you took that shot on me about Sprinkle. It's funny. <laughs> There's a lot, of guys, a lot of guys on the roster that Paul has been trying to cut for years. <laughs> one of them gone. Right? Don't matter what they do, guy cut them. My man wanted to cut up Aki last year. Paul wanted to cut Troy Aki. Aki was a second-year player who spent his rookie year on IR. Paul wanted to cut him. Jeremy oh, we gonna hear this all year, dog. I'm telling Jeremy you, Sprinkle. <laughs> no. Jeremy Sprinkle, cut him. Cut Jeremy Sprinkle too. You talking about cutting Bryce Love? Why you whoa, 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 whoa! I never said cut Bryce Love. That's not true. Yeah, I think you have. I think you have. <laughs> we got to go back to the archives and check that. We'll go to the archives. But <laughs> there are a lot of guys you just like wanted to cut. You just want to cut him. Well, first like off, I go. First off, your man Jeremy Sprinkle beat out. Hale Henches and Richard Rodgers. That's not much of a triumph for it, for your boy. You had him getting cut. I did have him getting cut, but because he's not good. He's here. <laughs> he's here because he had no other options. Hey, hey man. Play, I know that play that still sticks out to y'all, dog. When Haskins was scrambling in the Carolina game, and Sprinkle was literally wide open. I know y'all got the ball, bro. Oh, I was mean, the ball. Mm, mm, mm. Is it just me, or does it seem like Sprinkle only shits to bed like, like in the worst moments? I'm like, I don't care yeah, when he's wide the fuck open, but he whiffs on blocks, just false starting and shit, like just out there being a, a gangly ass goof. Like, I'm, he got a little, he got a little Moses to his game. Because <laughs> right. he winds up next to Moses, that shit's rubbing off on him. <laughs> oh, I don't know if this is really a hot take, um, but I was going to take it to Haskins for his. I think Haskins' stat line for the year is going to be 3,800 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Wait, can you repeat that? Please. <laughs> 3,800 3, yards passing. Okay, let me bring that touchdown number down. I'm going to go back to 20. 20. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Corey got, hey, Corey got nervous as shit real quick. He was like, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Pull up, Haskins go there. Stat line for the year is going to be thirty-seven hundred yards passing. He's going to have thirty-seven hundred, twenty-three touchdowns, and he's going to have eight interceptions. Thirty-seven hundred. I mean, thirty-seven hundred is only two thirty-one per game. That's I mean, good. are we? That's that's yeah. That's a pretty damn good line for first his first full year, first full sixteen games. That's not. I, mean, I didn't want to say I didn't want to say he'd be throwing for 4K. I can't put that on the kid yet. It sounded like you wanted to. I was I, I was debating the clip, but I didn't want to get crazy. <laughs> it sounded like you walked it back a little bit. Did, you, did y'all see what what's his name said? Um, Who? Warm Moon? What'd he say? 
because they inter- he said he had spoken to Haskins during the offseason. There was an article by Stan Big. I think they're going to do like a weekly sort of state of the quarterback situation thing. I, I know. I, actually, I saw the headline. I just didn't get a chance to read it yet. But he had a stat line prediction. They, I think they asked each of them what would a good season for Haskins look like. And it actually sounded more similar to what you said the first time. The 3,800? 25-8? <laughs> Actually, no, he said 3,500, 20, 25, 2-1 uh, to one touchdown ratio. Okay. Sheehan said 3,800, 22, 24. I'm going to say, not, I mean, why can't he go for 400 yards? Everybody else fucking finished for it. It's not that hard. <laughs> It's 4K, not hard right? 400 yards. Yeah, it's what's that? That's 250 a game. I mean, I don't think yards is even relative to how well you played. I think it tells you more about whether your, t- your team was trash or not, or whether your offense is trash or not, frankly. So the 3,700 is probably more a reflection of the offense being trash. Listen, a 4,030 season would be incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be incredible. This place is going nuts if he does that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I see Sheehan said 22 touchdowns, 14 picks, and 3,800 yards. I'm a, you know what? I, I, I tell you what. He throws for 3,800 yards. All That's these, damn good, man. Not only is that damn good, all these uh, predictions of us going 4 and 12, 5 and 11, if he throws for 3,800 yards, that means the offense is moving. There's no not way 30. we win less than 7 or 8. 22 touchdowns. Fuck yeah. Yeah, because sure? but we don't know what we're getting from the run game. You don't, I mean – I, I think that's pretty damn good. Honestly, not a lot, man. Baker Mayfield threw for 3,800 last year. 3,800 isn't a lot, but I think that there's a way to throw for 3,800 in an efficient way where you're keeping the ball moving, working with a good run game. It's not a lot, but I I mean, I think that on Philly this morning, they were saying that he would have 3,200. I'm like, that seems hella low. Hey, 3,800, hey. that's, you know, considerably more yards. Baker Mayfield threw for 3,800 clip, but he threw 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Well, here the other quarter, hey, listen, Murray, uh, sorry, Watson threw for 3,800. Mm. Kyler Murray, 37. Cousins, 36. Fitzpatrick, 35. Dalton, 34. This is a wide range of team results, Definitely. offensive results. Um, I think the key for Haskins is taking care of the ball. Absolutely. So, more yeah. above all else, and – I, well, we're going to get to why that might be a problem, I'm sure, during this podcast. Yeah. So. All right. My hot take, um, I think that Landon Collins is going to be uh, in the all-pro consideration for his position. Uh, I'm just still really high on him. Uh, when I think about Landon Collins and what he's going to do in this defense, I think we've said on this podcast a number of times that we like T.J. Ward as a comp. So when I look at T.J. Ward's best season, I think that Landon Collins could definitely do something like this. In 2013, T.J. Ward had 112 tackles, two interceptions, seven pa- passes defense. That's a good comp, too. And, yep. one, and one fumbled recovery and 1.5 sacks. I think that that's well within the realm of possibility for somebody Landon Collins within a, a scheme that's going to accentuate his best features, his best skills. Uh, I think that Del Rio and Rivera are going to know how to use somebody like Landon Collins as a weapon as opposed to whatever the hell Minuski was doing last year. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's that's something that we could definitely be looking at and be like, yeah, Landon can do that. I'm with that. Yeah, no disagreement for me there, man. Uh, Collins, Collins is one of those guys that it, he's another one I feel like that sort of slipped off the radar team wise. Uh, but he'll be on, he'll be back on the radar Sunday for sure. Yeah. Plus, he's playing with it. He's playing in a better scheme. Like the scheme is going to help him excel. Like. I think the scheme is everything. I don't think that Landon Collins is a better or worse player than he was last year. I just think mm-hmm. that Greg Minuski didn't know how to use him the proper way. They, he, just didn't, yep. he just didn't use him in a way that's going to accentuate his mm-hmm. skills. I think it was he was thinking it more as, I need player to fit scheme instead of the other way around, which is the way it should be. I mean, I don't know any defensive coordinator that puts a player in a scheme he doesn't fit and says, okay, do your best. If you suck, then you just suck. That's just not the way to run a team. Yeah, yeah, but he, he but this is part of the problem. Do you think they asked him about signing Landon Collins? No. Hell no. <laughs> Remember they so, had did, didn't they have Minuski sit in on an interview with the potential <laughs> replacing him? I forgot about that. <laughs> you know damn well they didn't ask Minuski about nothing. Then said, hold the door, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Last thing I want to talk about before we get to the Eagles is a lot of predictions about the Redskins, and I don't want Redskins fans to lose their minds because last year we did that and ranks that were going uh, two and fourteen, we ended up being three and thirteen. So I, I really want Redskins fans to keep an open mind and know that this year likely isn't going to be a eight and eight, nine and seven year unless things go really, really right. You know what I'm saying? This is a six win team, a seven win team, and that's okay. But, you know, I am hearing some, like, three wins, some four wins, something along those lines, and I just don't see that. So if I had to ask you guys, what do we know about this team that the national media doesn't know, something that might be overlooking, what's the one thing you would say? Uh, that's a Haskins thing. Mm-hmm. But on paper, this is, looks like a three-one team on paper, man. Offensively, <laughs> it looks like the worst offense in the league on paper. Right, like I, outside, I, I, of, outside of McLaurin, absolutely. Yeah, like I don't see a three or four win prediction is entirely reasonable. But I think the perception of the team, especially offensively, the people who also think the offense is terrible also don't think Haskins is good. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable that some would think the, the team is three games. To follow up on that too, Cliff, there was like a new um... – I guess there was a new projection that came out for like QBs this year, stats, et cetera. Like, or they were, no, they were ranking the quarterbacks for 2020. And Haskins was like 38 out of 40. And first off, it's 32 teams in the league. So they had backups that they felt was better than Haskins. So right now he's not looked at as somebody that's going to elevate this offense or this team to another level. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that people are still saying two and 14, three, three, 13. I mean, that's that's basically what they feel. We don't really have a lot of talent on offense, so we haven't seen a lot of the talent on the field just yet. So, And especially based on Haskins' production last year, not considering how he improved towards the end of the season, but folks are still just basically – they see that Minnesota game, that Giants game where he was just deer in the headlights. Like, they're not expecting him to do great things. So that's yeah. why we get 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 predictions. Because they wouldn't say that about any team that they thought the QB was good. Like, I get those same people aren't like the Giants are going three and thirteen. No, because they love that. I also that. feel like people have been put in this situation where if you think Daniel Jones is good, you have to think Haskins isn't, and vice versa. So 
if you're high on Daniel Jones, you then have to follow it up by saying you are not high on Dwayne Haskins. Because that's the hot take medium. Like, that's how this shit works, right? So that's really the only thing the national, like, in terms of national media, that's the only thing that this could really be about. The offense isn't good. The O-line looks terrible. Yeah. On paper, looks terrible. Jerron Christian starts a left tackle. Like, that's that's crazy to me. I mean, outside of Brandon Scherf, everybody on the line is a question mark. See, I don't think the center, the center's not a question mark. Well, I don't mean well. I would not consider. I don't think national media considers Chase Rulier. You know. Oh, they don't now. Wait till he goes somewhere else. Wait till some <laughs> team they like. No, I mean let's be real. Let's be real. Absolutely. Wait till the Eagles sign him in free or some team like that. They'll be like, you know, Rulier. He was always the. They used to always say he was the best player on that line. Mm-hmm. When Quentin Von Dunbar got, ends up in Seattle, all of a sudden he's a league known top corner. Yeah. They didn't say ever say shit about Quentin Dunbar when he played here. Not a piece. So I, I don't even give a fuck about that kind of stuff because I hear people talk about Quentin Dunbar now, who I never heard mention his name before. I think this is a Haskins conversation. Let's talk about this game on Sunday. Uh, I would have said one of the biggest uh, keys to the game was the health or lack thereof. Uh, from the Eagles because they are really banged up, but um, they're getting a few guys back. It looks like Miles Sanders was questionable. It looks like he's going to uh, be able to give it a go and at the very least contribute. Jalen Rieger, who hurt his shoulder a week and a half ago, has practiced in full two days in a row. So I think barring anything crazy, he's going to be there on Sunday. And they ended up moving Jason Peters from right guard to left tackle, which um, – I think that may have been something that may have happened eventually, maybe out of necessity at some point on Sunday, but it looks like they're going to just nip this in the bud and move him back to left tackle now. Um, I don't know how much of a difference is going to make. Uh, Clifford mentioned that he doesn't really trust rookie wide receivers, and I don't blame him. I mean, they don't really do much, uh, especially not in their first game with no preseason or, or summer workouts. Uh, but I think that Jason Peters sliding out to left tackle could be significant. Uh, thinking about Matt Pryor going against Chase Young in this first game. I mean, that was going to be food right there, but... Yeah, even, whoa, 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 whoa. He's still on the field, though. Oh, he's still on the field for sure. He's just not going against Matt Ioannidis and not Chase Young. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, like, their O-line, they are not much... Like, they, Miles Sanders was always going to play. Like, there was that was never a question. He was always going to start game one. They let him rest. Lane Johnson's banged up, right? Yeah. Yep. So, your right tackle's banged up. I think I think they said he, I think he was supposed to lightly practice today, or yeah, yesterday he was. Yeah, they said he up. was limited today. Yeah, so limited in practice today. The team is banged up. Barnett's significant. Lane Johnson is significant. If either one of them can't go, that's going to be a major. Yeah. I yeah, did I hear so. over the. I did hear AGG and John Allen were full participants today, and Sadiq was limited. Thomas Davis being. Up. Thomas Davis being out could be significant. Thomas Davis was out, yep. Yeah. That yeah, could but be. I don't, I don't, what's significant about it? Yeah, well, he wasn't really expected to start, I don't believe, anyway. So. Oh, yeah, but I mean, he, he was going to be the next linebacker off the field. He yeah, could help that, him, for sure. No doubt, no doubt. Um, did Fuller practice? Limited. That's scary. That is scary. Uh, the thinnest spot on defense is definitely cornerback. And 
your number one, number one is going to be out or could be out. He could be limited. We'll see. I don't think he's going to be. He, what, he practiced this week, didn't he? I don't yeah. think he practiced in full at all this week, did he? He's just been limited, but he's, he came back this week. Remember, he was out all last week. Yeah. I he's mean, probably playing. Yeah. If, if, if he started the week limited and he's limited all week, it is, and, he, and he's actually li- actually limited in practice. Mm-hmm. Then he's probably playing somewhere. Yeah. Um, but to that point, though, Paul, let me say something. To that yeah. point about potentially Fuller being limited, or if he were to miss the game, like this is a game we don't want him to miss because we know our history with Deshaun Jackson and Carson Wentz throwing bombs over our safety's head. So, I mean, like Cliff said, I mean, I'm assuming that he probably will play, but this is definitely one of those games that you don't want Fuller out especially with a healthy Deshaun on the other side of the sideline. So, yeah. For you to be out, uh, not only is his veteran leadership going to be needed in the secondary, uh, they also are going to need him from time to time. I feel like uh, maybe we, we haven't really heard much this camp about him playing free safety, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he were back there at all on Sunday just because you're going to have so many deep threats on the field and you just don't want any first-time – safety out there, whether it be Apke or Curl, to bite on something or read something wrong, and then somebody's wide open 60 yards downfield. All right, I had a few things written down. Um, ways to win. I, I think the number one thing they're going to have to do is be aggressive offensively. Uh, I don't know how much uh, firepower Philly is going to be packing come Sunday. Uh, we, re- we know we're going to get from Philly for the most part. Um, if their O-line holds up, they're a team that can score in bunches, and I think that we shouldn't aim to keep this a low-scoring game. I, I, so I don't really subscribe to that theory, no matter what, that, oh, if you run the ball 30, 40 times, that you can slow down an offense that's high-powered. I think that you got to go toe-to-toe with them and try to be aggressive. Um, it's, it's hard to actually say what I want to see them do because I have no idea what they can do, especially coming into a totally offense, totally new offense that we've heard is going to be different from anything we've ever seen before. But I think that no matter what they're doing in their play calling, I think Scott Turner needs to keep it aggressive. I think that Dwayne Haskins probably should look to push the ball down the field when he gets an opportunity. Just go for it, man. You're going to have to score points to beat Philly. I don't think that you can win a game with scoring 17 points. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Paul. Like you said, we don't know what – we have no idea what our offense is going to bring. Um, All I can ask is that they get out the huddle. We don't have no stupid-ass penalties, no delayed games. Set yourselves back, like – can we not have Morgan Moses have a holding penalty when we get a bomb to McCorn for 50 yards? Like, get in and out of the huddle, show some urgency on offense. Like, just have some tempo. Like, Rivera always says, tempo, tempo, tempo. Let's, let's bring the attack to them because every time we play Philly, it seems like they're always attacking us, whether that's on the defensive side or the offensive, or the offensive side of the ball. Like, we know offensively when, they're, when they get here, it's going to be big plays. They usually beat us on big plays or by Wentz extending the play, scrambling around. So hopefully all that investment that we've made on the D-line, like, it comes to, it comes to show on Sunday. Like, we're going to need the defense to step up. I'm expecting Dario to have an attack mode defense for 60 minutes and just let the chips fall where they may. But we got to come out. Just be aggressive. Don't Just don't be a conservative team that we've been in the past. They got to see what they got anyway. Obviously, we haven't had any preseason games, so – just go out there and attack it. Um, look, the, the bright side is this will not be a road game tomorrow. I mean, on Sunday. Um, our last couple of games at FedEx have not been home games since then. Nope. Uh, 
Stay our asses up, Philly. <laughs> I think this is really going to come down to whether both of the old lines, right? Can we pass protect for half schools and give them enough time to exploit whoever's covering number 17? Because whoever's covering him is getting cooked. I don't care if it's a million, I don't care if it's a million dollar corner. I don't care if it's your new millionaire corner or your old one. It could be Asabois, Darius Slay. It doesn't matter. Can Jerron Christian and Wes Martin, Morgan Moses, can these people hold up in pass protection? Can we get, get big plays out of play action early downs? We started well versus the Eagles last year. Second mm-hmm. half, we couldn't move the ball. Nope. Right, but that's that was generally a Jay Gruden staple, which was poor second halves. But um, no adjustments. Look, the Eagles are not. I don't think the Eagles are some unbeatable team. The team that we were playing week one last year is better than the one we're playing week one this year. And I think we're a better team than we were um, a year ago at this time. So, yeah. Look, you're gonna have to score, like you said, Paul. You're gonna have to score, but you you really, really need to protect the quarterback man yeah we can't be aggressive unless they don't protect yeah that's, that's that's what it boils down to yeah uh we talked a few weeks ago about how thin they were i actually read something today i think the eagles by a wide margin have spent the least amount of money um at the linebacker spot uh nathan gary tj edwards and duke riley uh i think those three are food for for gibson and mckissick I don't know what they plan on doing um, to match with those two. So I think that they're going to have to be aggressive, but I also think that a steady diet of those two out of the backfield is something that you could do underneath and let them turn five yards into 15 and keep the, uh, moving the sticks downfield. You know what's funny, too? I also think we might see a little bit more of Peyton Barber this week than we think because Rivera's a huge fan of Peyton Barber, mm-hmm. and he's been hyping him up as far as, like, the passing game. Like, obviously, we know he can pass ball. He can run between the tackles, but – we might be seeing him a little bit more than we actually think we or we anticipated seeing because obviously we know we're going to get the Gibson McKissick package, but I think we really, damn, and y'all know I'm not the biggest fan of Peyton Barber, but he no, might see, have a big impact in that game on Sunday. I think that is cap from Rivera. You think so? I think they're just not trying to talk about Gibson, man. Yeah. Because the coaches – Especially over like the last week or week or two, they've been like downplaying Gibson, mm-hmm. talking up the other backs more. But the players, they all keep talking about Gibson. AP kind of gave it away. What AP said when he messaged, uh, was he, I think he sent a text message to Joe Cena. She put it up on Twitter, basically when he was saying he wasn't upset about the situation and he understands the team is going to a different style of offense. And he was like, this kid, Antonio Gibson, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's real deal. <laughs> he didn't mention mm-hmm. any other running back, but Antonio Gibson. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think they're trying. I think they're trying to be as covert as possible about Antonio Gibson on Sunday. And the players can't help themselves. Like I was listening to Kyle's podcast earlier. And Kyle was talking to Thomas Davis. He asked Thomas Davis about it. I think he asked some along the lines of, like, what players? They asked about Alex Smith. I think they were talking about Alex Smith. And then he asked him about what other players sort of stood out 
he, the first player he said to be Antonio Gibson. And for Thomas Davis to say that at the linebacker position, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he was somehow a bunch of oh, because he was somehow used to watch. He watched a lot of college, and he had seen Gibson in college at Memphis, and Gibson looked smaller in college to him. He's like, I didn't realize Gibson was this big. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't got any. The Eagles got nothing to worry. No, nothing to worry about. You're not going to have a solution for these running backs on Sunday. All right. The way we're going to lose this game is the way we always lose to the Eagles. Special teams, <laughs> blown assignments for big touchdowns. What's the dude's name? That's, Boston Scott or some shit like that. Yeah, Boston Scott. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Like when we lose to the Eagles, that's we usually beat ourselves. Man. Yep, big plays. Wentz gets out of a. Ta- Wentz is about to go down for a sack. Oh, he gets out. There it is, sixty-five yard bomb. Cliff, you mentioned this about dominating up front. Um, I'll, I'll even expand on that and say on both sides of the ball, you really got to uh, dot your eyes and cross your t's, especially on offense. Like you can't have any missed assignments on Sunday. Don't kill a drive by being a first-year starter and missing an assignment and blowing up a play, and all of a sudden you're in second and 17 and you're just getting ready for the punt team, you got to do all you can to give Haskins opportunities. That includes, most importantly, giving him time to throw the ball and and find his receivers downfield. Listen, this season is critical for Haskins. He needs to show that he can take command of this offense and generate points, and he can't do that with the offensive line. Um, They got to dominate. On the defensive side of the ball, they – got to take advantage of a banged-up Philly front. They got to get in Carson Wentz's face. They can't allow him to extend players and, and go downfield. Yeah, man, game is one in the trenches. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a general statement. We always talk about winning up front, but I think especially this week, like you could get away with a C effort against some lesser teams, but Philly ain't one of them. Like they're well coached. They're yeah, but we're well-coached. one of them. We're one of them. <laughs> we are so. <laughs> like, one of the big things I think is going to be, especially, I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out in the league early in the year, is because of no previous games. What is the conditioning like of the players, especially up front? What are the D lines like late in the games? Because the, especially when it's hot in September, in the teams, whether you're playing the humidity. I think it's supposed to be 80 here on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the conditioning going to be like with your players in the fourth quarter? The Eagles don't have depth up front. So what is that going to be? How do we take advantage of that? Well, especially along the D-line for us too, Cliff. I mean, we got yeah. a rotation where we should be able to keep players fresh. Right. And, this, and the Eagles are a team that is short on the offensive side of the ball up front. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. if someone gets – what if Blaine Johnson gets re-injured? Like I, I'm curious to see how these things impact games early in the year when there's been no preseason and you really haven't had a chance to have you, – you're going to have players that are going to have to go on the field without really ever having played at all. True. Yeah. If guys go down. Yeah, they're really thin up front. Uh, yeah, that, that could definitely be a major factor. Something I didn't even think of. Um, injuries do happen, man. It, let's just say Lane Johnson were to go down. Like, I don't even know who their third tackle would be. Because they've already made a switch to move their longtime tackle from guard now back to tackle. Who else could it possibly be? Um, if Matt Pryor were to go down, like Matt Pryor has never played, never started a game before. If he goes down, 
Now, who the hell is his backup? Um, meanwhile, we're throwing waves of defensive ends and tackles at you. Uh, mm-hmm. keep, keep them fresh, man. Keep them fresh. Keep the rotation coming because come the third, fourth quarter, when you start wearing them down, not only will they not be able to hold up in the run game, but you could possibly get some game-clinching sacks against Wentz. Deeper than the deepest, I wrote that down. And I think that Troy Apke um, showed yourself that, that you were worth a fourth-round pick. So get 30 yards off the line of scrimmage, maybe 40, because when 10 starts barreling downfield at you, you might think you're in good position to guard him, but you're probably not. Um, so basically okay. you wanted to line up like LeBron Landry used to. Hey, no, no, bro. You, you, Troy, you got speed, son, okay? Here's Troy. the deal. Troy. Here's the deal. Troy. You got speed, Troy. No, this shit Troy. don't got to come. But we know this yeah. shit don't come down to safeties when it comes to Deshaun. You need to get to the quarterback. Period. Short absolutely. of the safety oh, completely I'm, blowing I'm, I'm the coverage. I'm with that. Short of the safety completely blowing the coverage. If Carson has four step four seconds to drop back, it's over anyways. Yeah, once it well, that, that's, a good point. Is. that's a good point. Once Carson extends the play, that usually means trouble for your secondary. So that's a good point. But if y'all out with, here well, fighting on double moves though, if I see a corner. Yeah, that's a problem. Like that is the type of shit that annoys me. Yeah, I, I I hear you though, Paul. He, please, Aki, don't. I mean, and I'm not trying Listen. to put this just on Aki. That goes with all, the, the entire secondary. You cannot blow your assignment oh, on no. Sunday with somebody like Deshaun Jackson sprinting Listen, down. Paul is right. Paul is right. Del Rio plays a lot of single high. It's gonna be his responsibility, but also you need to get back there. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to get back there. You, we, it can't be playing single high. And then we're like, well, single high and rushing four, by the way. And I hope you guys don't start complaining about that when we start getting lit up some games because he doesn't blitz a lot. So you play single high against Deshaun Jackson. I'm going to pull out his responsibility on the people up front. But then we're playing single high, which means a lot of responsibility on the free safety. No question. Yep. There's no question, Paul. Yeah. I hear you on that. I mean, yeah, it, it's, they definitely go hand in hand. Um, but that being said, like, just no blown coverages. I, don't be caught moving the robber when you should be the single high. Like, you can't afford to let, even let him get half a step on you because you already know don't, what that means. Strike up the don't, band. Don't be the 2019 secondary that blew assignments and had communication issues every other play. That's what it boils down to. Right. Get pressure up front and be on – I mean, be on the same page, so – yeah. If not, you, you know it's going it's going seventy five yards, and that's a tutty. Yeah, and and that kind of takes me to the last thing that I had written down: um, sound tackling. Be a good tackling team on Sunday. You got to wrap up. Do not let Carson Wentz do some twenty seventeen ship and get out of a sack and throw that ball downfield. I mean, remember that play? Uh, I think it was week one when I think it was Jay Allen missed the sack and he hit what was it? Your man Aguilar for like eighty or for like sixty? Yeah, sure. it was that. Yeah. Uh, none of that shit. Can't have it. And somebody like Miles Sanders, he'll turn a short game into a long one if you let him. You know, he has that type of explosion. Like Deshaun Jackson, Quez Watkins, uh, John Hightower, Jalen Rieger, if he plays. Like, these guys are hell of explosive. If you don't wrap them up, you don't tackle them, they're going to be striking up the band, and it's going to mm-hmm. be a long afternoon for your defense. Like, so if you're going to give up a catch, something underneath, uh, something on a screen, come up, get in position. I would rather you just square up on him and hit him 
and take him down for a 10-yard gain than you try to make a tackle at five and it turns into 50. Like, just don't, don't play selfish football, man. Just make the tackle. Keep everything in front of you. Our tackling might be a strength this year. Um, because, especially at the linebackers, Bostic is a good tackler. Uh, we have <clears throat> uh, Sean, uh, SDH, very good tackler. Our corners are going to be better tacklers this year. Yep. With Moreland and Fuller. I yep. think Collins playing in the box more. But yeah, no, it's early in the season too with no off se- with no preseason. The tackling mm-hmm. is going to be a disaster in the league. Start the year. Yep. All right, so let's uh, go around the room and let's uh, give a score and prediction. Um, I'm going to start us off. I think that – I think we're going to win this game. I really, really do. Um, I know it's been a while since we beat Philly. I think for the most part they have our number, but something just feels different. I, I just feel like the element of surprise um, – them not knowing what's coming, us not knowing what's coming. And you have a grand opportunity this Sunday to come out there and shock a team that's thought to be one of the favorites in the NFC. I'm going to go Washington football team 27, Philadelphia 17. You said 27, 17? 27, 17. That's all the homer. I mean, I'm kind of right there with you, Paul. Um, Rivera's first home game, obviously the fans aren't going to be there, but I'm thinking with all that he's got going on and Chase Young's first home game debut and new scheme, offense and defense, Haskins' first first game to start 2020 to be the starting quarterback, hopefully full 16 games. Like, this is a big, this is a big opportunity for a lot of the young guys to, you know, put their names out there and put their stamp on what they want this season to be like. And I think Getting a W versus division rival will be huge. Um, I think we're going to pull out a win. Um, I think it's going to be a little closer than what you said. I'm going to roll with 27-24, Washington. Um, I actually got this is the high-scoring game of the 1 o'clock games, right? But we're not going to win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Big numbers by both offenses. We lose the game late. Eagles 34, Washington 30. Mm. McGee Haskins like a 300, three-tutty game week one. Mm. But, but too many big plays by Deshaun and Rieger. Ertz, Miles Sanders. We just give too many big plays and lose. Uh, I don't want to say I'm happy that you picked against us, but I didn't want all three of us to be on the on the Redskins on Washington. So I'm glad that one of us won against the grain and actually picked Philly because you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all I got for you guys. Um, thanks for being with me again. I try to keep your expectations tempered. I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer on the podcast. I just think that too many fans are doing the same thing that we were doing for years where they're like, oh, I see eight and eight. I see nine and seven. You know, we do that's like a thing that Redskins, God damn, Washington fans do every year is the eight and eight. It's, it's okay to be five and 11 as long as this team is moving forward, right? I think that's the last thing I would say before we actually head into this season. Hey, if, you, if you're seeing growth from the quarterback, that's, that's probably the biggest key to the season for us, man. So 
If Haskins make, takes his strides, makes his steps, and proves that he's the guy, I mean, that, that puts the franchise in a good position going forward. Just go out there and look like a professional outfit. I think that that's the most important thing that I want to see this year. Go out there. Don't get blown out. I don't want to see no games like last year for Chicago where you're getting picked apart by the likes of Mitch Trubisky losing by 30 in the third quarter. Like, come out there, be a professional team, play well, growth from the young players, and let's get through 2020. Let's, let's, let's make the season. But, let, you know, you know let's, let's see what happens, bro. I'm not going to sit here and say we're not making the playoffs or anything like that, but let's, let's just move forward. Be a competitive football team. Man. Right. Don't embarrass yourselves. Compete. Yep. Yeah.